Kia ora. Welcome to the A Lighter Touch podcast, keeping you in touch with the knowledge to help Kiwi growers manage pests and diseases in their crops with a lighter environmental touch. Kia ora. Hello. I'm Livia Esterhazy, and this is our second episode in a three-part series on extension, the practice of transferring new knowledge or concepts. For this episode, I'm joined by my Lighter Touch colleague, Gina Jewell, and we'll be walking you through an extension framework called Bennett's Hierarchy. Kia ora, Gina. Kia ora, love. Now, we first heard about Bennett's Hierarchy during the webinar we hosted, titled Strategies to Encourage Grow Adoption of New Technologies. Yes, Denise Busell, Principal at Scarletti, talked about the framework during the webinar. It's one she's used for planning and monitoring many extension programs across both Aotearoa New Zealand and Australia. We also have a downloadable PDF available on our website that walks you through the model and includes questions for you to answer at each level. You'll find it in the resources section of the website. Just look for a post entitled A Lighter Touch Extension Webinar. Yes, and if you look at that PDF, you'll see the framework looks like a ladder with seven levels. At the top of the ladder is the impact you'd like your extension program to have. As you descend the ladder, each level describes the steps needed to achieve your desired impact. Essentially, the framework steps us through the seven levels of change required for extension. And just like an actual ladder, you can work your way up or down this framework. But we're going to start at the top of the ladder and work down through each level. Yes, and there's a lot to cover. So let's get into it, shall we? Bennett's hierarchy was developed in the 1970s and has been widely used in agricultural extension around the world for both evaluation and as a framework for designing programs. Bennett's hierarchy can be used to document and then measure behaviour change as it shows how inputs become outcomes and how much change an extension program achieved or is likely to achieve in its funded life. We're going to go through Bennett's hierarchy covering the seven levels of change outlined in the framework. The higher the level, the more time and effort is required to collect and analyse meaningful evaluation data. Starting at the top of the hierarchy, we have level seven, social, economic and environmental outcomes. These are the high level outcomes you'd like to achieve as a result of your extension program. These outcomes may represent public or private benefits or both. They include things like reducing environmental impact, meeting changes in export regulations, increasing crop yield, responding to consumer preference changes, and so on. Here are some of the questions to ask yourself when unpacking your social, economic and environmental outcomes. What is the end result of what you're aiming for? What's the outcome of the practice change? What is the economic impact of the project? What are the profitability and productivity targets? What are the environmental targets? All of these questions are included in our visual resource, which you can find in the podcast notes. Before we keep moving, it's really important to state the obvious here. Extension where something in the system is broken is different from voluntary change. This is evidenced by Aotearoa New Zealand's highly successful Apple Integrated Fruit Production Programme, introduced in the mid-1990s to address issues of insecticide resistance, export rejection, and both environmental and human safety concerns about the heavy spray program in use. Let's listen to our webinar expert, Dr Jim Walker, 
of plant and food research describing what prompted the program. Change needed to happen. And the vision that we had at the time, which was based on a really a lot of historical knowledge that we had about the potential for biological control, was a future with responsible insecticide use and a deep redesign of the entire apple crop protection system. So we had a clearly identifiable objective with the program. It was a whole of industry objective, sustainable production uh, using the safest possible methods uh, for the environment and human health. During our webinar on extension, Jim explained the 20-year journey in which New Zealand's apple growers had to adopt new practices to meet tightening export regulations, first with the Apple Integrated Fruit Production Program, Jim has just mentioned, and later with the Apple Futures Program. This included a shift from calendar schedules of insecticides and fungicides to using only when justified. Justification was based on pest and disease monitoring systems and the treatment thresholds of the selective insecticides. By the final year, which was the end of the global financial crisis, we had um, achieved all residues at or below 10% of the EU MRL. Fully no insecticide residues on 65% of the export crop. Fungicide residues were commonly detected, but ultra low. Mostly no more than zero to two fungicide residues per crop. And by that time, what we had now in place was an uh, a national random residue testing program that uh, growers subscribe to. In terms of the economic benefit, and this is an NZIER assessment, it helped protect our pre premium market position in Europe. It added approximately 10% to our export returns per annum over three years. And in terms of the cost of the implementation program, it was roughly a 30 to 1 return on investment uh, in terms of the implementation process that we rolled out. Both programs were successful because they were driven by a whole new set of economic imperatives. However, for most of our industries, we are looking at voluntary social, economic and environmental changes. Electively reducing your chemical usage is undoubtedly much more difficult but it is at the core of our mission here at A Lighter Touch. Next in Bennett's hierarchy is level six, practice changes. Practices are like strategies, the way we do things, that affect the social, economic and environmental results. By offering extension activities, such as peer-to-peer -peer learning, people and groups can learn new practices and technologies that will help achieve their bigger picture outcomes. Examples of practice changes could include a shift away from calendar spraying to spraying based on pest and disease monitoring, as Jim described with the Apples program. Or it might be the introduction of biological control in a greenhouse, where previously chemical control was the usual practice. Workshops, demonstration projects and site visits are all examples of extension activities used to demonstrate these practice changes to growers to show not only that new ways of doing things are possible, but that they also yield positive results. Here are some questions to ask when unpacking your desired practice changes. What practice changes needs to be in place for you to achieve your end results or social, economic and environmental outcomes? What are the specific practices you want to see adopted? Again, you can find these questions on the visual resource located on our website, 
So let's listen to Denise describe a practice change example relating to an Alighter Touch project focused on increasing biodiversity in an orchard. The purpose of increasing the biodiversity in the orchard was to create habitat for beneficial insects, which would in turn help manage insect pests. So um, if your big outcome is biodiverse planting in perennial crops, that's what you'd really like to see, then let's break it down. What kind of changes might you need to, practice changes might you need to see? That's actually really important to understand what beneficials you have, what the pest pressure is. Um, so you're understanding what's going on. And I went, oh, so actually maybe it's, Yes, the outcome is the biodiverse planting, but maybe one of the practice changes we're actually trying to target in, the, in an extension program would be increasing the use of crop monitoring. Next is level five, knowledge, attitude, skills, and aspiration, also known as CASA. Knowledge involves gaining information or following guidance. This includes things like biosecurity incursions or regional issues. Attitudes are the personal beliefs, opinions, feelings, or perspectives, which includes things like risk profiles, innovation adoption, or sustainability goals. Skills are the mental and physical abilities required to employ new or alternative practices. These include things like digital literacy or technical expertise. And aspirations are the hopes, objectives, or desires, and include things like yield, profitability, lifestyle or stewardship. When thinking about the CASA changes you'd like your extension project to facilitate, ask yourself the following questions. What knowledge, attitude, skills and aspirational change might need to be in place for the practice change to happen? What level of knowledge, attitude, skill and aspiration do the target audience have at the moment? What change is required? Using the biodiverse planting example Denise discussed earlier, one of the changes identified as part of this project was the need for more detailed crop monitoring in order to enable growers to make evidence-based decisions about managing pest pressure in their orchards. Great. Thanks, Gina. And we're almost halfway there with level four of Bennett's hierarchy, which is reactions. Reactions reflect the levels of enthusiasm or disinterest in the extension topics, openness to extension activities, and active involvement in the extension project. So let's go through the questions to give you a better understanding of what reactions you're looking for. What is the demand for knowledge? What are the skills for the practices? What forums and activities are already happening? How does the target audience respond currently? And what response has the extension activities generated? By answering these, you should have a clearer understanding of the reactions you need to design for. Again, if we use the Alighter Touch biodiverse planting in a perennial crop project as an example, we know there was a demand for knowledge, with industry-wide interest from citrus growers in learning about more sustainable crop protection practices that could be applied in their sector. In terms of the skills required for this practice, the project very quickly identified the need for detailed crop monitoring of insects and for growers to have the knowledge to use the data from the monitoring to inform decisions about integrated pest management. This prompted extension activities to support growers acquiring these skills. 
Biodiverse undercanopy planting was not something that had been done before in citrus orchards in New Zealand, so there were not forums or activities already happening. A first step for the project was to fill that knowledge gap with educative webinars explaining how agroecological crop protection works. Growers were really involved in extension activities with a good turnout to field days and plenty of questions of experts around practical demonstrations. A range of grower resources were produced from the project, all of which can be found on the Alita Touch website. These included grower how-to guides to support those wanting to trial this type of crop protection activity in their own orchard. Brilliant. So now we're at level three of Bennett's hierarchy, which is the participants. These could be individuals, families, groups, organisations or communities. They are the ones who need to engage with the extension activities. Through engagement, you're able to facilitate the CASA changes necessary for the social, economic and environmental impacts. It's so important to note that participants are broader than just your target audience and represent the wider industry or system that are necessary for creating a successful extension project. If we use the Apple Integrated Fruit Production and Futures programs as an example, participants included ENSA, Hort Research, sector groups and growers, showing that it was driven by the whole industry, not just one part of it, which is key. To determine your participants, ask yourself the following questions. Who is your target audience? And you might like to note, we have a whole episode on how to determine this. How many are engaging in the extension activities? Who else is participating? For example, rural professionals, service providers, regulators, and there could be many more. Level two of Bennett's hierarchy is activities. These are the various activities and events used to inform, educate, or train your different target audience groups. They range from direct personal contacts to indirect technological or mass media approaches. Your extension activities should be designed to spark positive reactions and drive the necessary CASA and practice changes. Activities are highly dependent on your project resources, yet can be delivered through a mix of in-person and online channels. Examples could include field days, individual and group meetings, seminars, webinars, and knowledge transfer content like this podcast. Some of the questions you might like to ask yourself at this stage of the planning process include, what activities are being run? How often are these activities occurring? When should you run these activities? And where? At this point, you can start to get a really pragmatic sense of how you could monitor and evaluate the success of your extension project. If you are delivering extension activities online, for example, you may be able to take advantage of some inbuilt digital analytics tools within Facebook or Google. And if you're running activities in person, you may need to think about how to capture in-person data. This could be done through methods such as surveys or engagement assessments. The final level in Bennett's hierarchy is inputs and resources. These are made up of time, money and staff, including volunteers, used to plan, promote, implement and evaluate your extension activities. These may also include material such as fact sheets or videos. And in order to plan for your inputs and resources, ask yourself the following questions. 
What is your budget and how is the budget tracking? What resources may need to be created? And what form should these take? If you start from the financial resources you have available, you can quickly determine what is in and out of scope. Remember that partnering with other organisations is another way to increase your inputs and resources. Perhaps there's another partner who is already creating resources or working in the same area as your extension project and would benefit from collaboration. And there you have it, the seven levels of Bennett's hierarchy, working backwards from your broader change goals. Level seven, social, economic and environmental outcomes. Level six, practice changes. Level five, knowledge, attitude, skills and aspiration, or CASA. Level four, reactions. Level three, participants. Level two, activities and... Level one, inputs and resources. So we hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into this very useful model for planning and evaluating your extension approach. We'd encourage you to jump on our website and download the visual resource so you can work through Bennett's hierarchy at your own pace. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to welcoming you back for the next episode. I'm Livia Esterhazy. And I'm Gina Jewell. And this has been the Alighta Touch podcast where we are sowing the seeds and growing our knowledge base for a sustainable future. Matewa. Wow.